Okay, so we are back for the uh, St. Michael's podcast, and many of our faithful listeners have uh, pointed out what we might call a, a glaring omission in our programming thus far. That is that we've interviewed a number of people, theologians, members of our community, but we have not yet spoken to our pastor. Um, and this is not only a problem for uh, territorial reasons, um, because, you know, he's this is his church, and as we're recording, he'll often be stomping around upstairs. We actually record uh, in the library beneath the rectory, um, but also because he has uh, many good things to say and offer. Father Ignacio uh, recently completed his studies at Sacred Heart Seminary in Detroit, receiving an STL specifically focusing on the new evangelization. And he wrote his thesis on miracles in the work of John Henry Newman. But we've, we've been waiting a little while, and now we have a great opportunity because on October 9th, this is the day of, of Father Ignacio's birthday, and so the idea is that we'll air this uh, first podcast episode with him on his birthday. And not only is it his, his birthday, but it's also the feast day of the theological father of the St. John's Society, uh, John Henry Newman, uh, a theologian, a thinker whose sermons and spirituality have been foundational both for their, their personal spirituality and also for their efforts at evangelization. So we're seizing this prime moment, and the question arises almost spontaneously from God's point of view, which October 9th event is more significant, your birthday on one hand or the feast day of St. John Henry Newman on the other? What would you answer? Oh, if, uh, if it was... Me, for sure, I would say Newman, with no doubt. Today we celebrate the day of his conversion. He, each saint has like a feast day. Usually it's the death or the birth or sometimes the conversion. In the case of Newman, today we celebrate the day he became Catholic when he was 45 and he was received into the Catholic Church by a priest in Littlemore. So the church chose his conversion as a feast day. So I think for sure, like I will choose Newman. Although Newman, <clears throat> he always speaks about the, the mystery of God's providence and how nothing, we cannot read the events of history to, with totality. So maybe he will approach a more uh, respectful answer. But if it was me, for sure, <laughs> today we celebrate the becoming Catholic of this great saint of the mm -hmm. church. Okay, moving on to our first, uh, our first real question, and that would be, why is uh, St. John Henry Newman notable uh, for the life of the church today? Why is he, he relevant? And I mentioned at the outset that he's important to the St. John Society. Why is he especially close to the heart of the society? Well, this is kind of two questions in one. Like, I think in general, Newman is seen as, a, would they say, a precursor of Vatican II, so many of his theological ideas prepared the way and in some way influenced the way of, of Vatican II. Like, for example, the role of the laity and, and the call to be saints to the laity. Then the importance of scripture that then Vatican II will take. He was a, a great, great uh, lover of scripture. He will memorize letters. And many of his sermons, it's just like an expansion of one line of the Bible. Then Vatican II was very much into what they call going back to the sources, resourcement. 
and Newman was also a great example of reading the fathers of the church. No? So in general, like Newman is relevant for the church, I think, because he prepared the way to Vatican II. And, and he, in some way, his writings provide a good interpretation of Vatican II. But when it comes to the sentient society, as you mentioned in the beginning, he is our intellectual father. So we have great intellectual friends. I would say the best two friends are um, St. Thomas Aquinas and Newman. And I think uh, for us, Newman is relevant because it kind of balances the objectivism maybe of Aquinas and provides a more personalistic and, and subjective vision of the human person and even of theology. And But then there are many, many reasons why we love Newman and we read him. I would say, one, that he was a missionary. A lot of people maybe don't know his life, but Newman was an intellectual. Uh, he studied in Oxford and, and he read the fathers, but also he did a lot of pastoral work. You know, as a, when he was in Oxford, he was what they call a tutor, so he will um, get involved in the life of the students and, and coach them. Then at the same time, he was the pastor of St. Mary's, and he will visit all his parishioners. And then he fought for the renewal of the Anglican Church with the Oxford movement. He will take uh, the tracks of the times and like do long distances on, on, on a horse just to distribute those pamphlets. And then as a Catholic, no, he worked in, in Birmingham, in England. and So he was a missionary. Then the, the content of his theology also is very relevant. And also the, his lifestyle. He, once he became Catholic, he founded the oratory. So he lived the Catholic priesthood in the context of community life. And that for us also was very appealing uh, to follow his way of living the priesthood. Um, also, he was a great preacher, if maybe one of the best, if not the best preacher in, in, in Oxford. And now you can go and, and you can see the place where he preached um, to the college students. And well, I could keep going. <laughs> Okay, we'll move in one uh, in one particular direction then, and that is uh, into the realm of, of his theology. When he was elevated to the uh, position of cardinal, uh, he took that opportunity to speak about what was, uh, on his own acknowledgement, the core concern of his entire theological career. And that is uh, that he stood against, often with great ferocity, uh, what he labeled to be theological liberalism. Uh, I'm quoting him now. He said, it is the one great mischief towards which I have from the first opposed myself. So when Newman speaks about theological liberalism, uh, what exactly does he mean? Of course, it, it, it doesn't mean that he you know, stood against the Democratic Party or, or something that we can uh, change into our modern uh, political parlance. What was the principle that he was after and how might that principle be important in the life of the church today? Well, yeah, that's a very good question. What does he understand by liberalism? And basically, one of the key ideas of Newman is the idea of revelation. God has spoken in the world and that leads us to what we call in theology the ascent of faith. 
So this was something Newman fought his whole life, the idea of there's an objective truth and God has spoken first through creation and then and especially in the person of Jesus. And that was an idea that he fought his whole life. He was mainly at first fighting against like uh, Anglican liberalism. No, he was, as you know, he converted when he was 45. So many of these ideas were within the Anglican Church, but then well also within the Catholic Church. When he converted, he converted, his first conversion was when he was 15. And in the book, uh, the Apologia Pro Vita Sua, he goes through his whole story of conversion. So you just read the quote of the Biglietto speech that is kind of the end of his life when he was, I think, 90. Um, but when he was 15, he says, when I was 15, in the autumn of 1816, a great change of thought took place in me. I fell under the influences of a definitive creed and received into my intellect impressions of dogma, which through God's mercy have never been effaced or obscured. So he converted by believing that there is a creed and there is um, in my intellect, this impression of the idea of dogma, no, that God has spoken and that truth is real and, and objective and, and important. Mm -hmm. So moving from uh, then the, the objective truth to your subjective assimilation of, uh, of what Newman in particular has to offer, um, I know you've studied him for a while. You were telling me the other day that you read a, a sermon of his every night. Uh, so when you're reading him, what, what is it, and, and recognizing also his influence and his legacy, what is it that you find most compelling, personally, or, or attractive about his thought and his, his style? Again, that's a question that has many layers. I, I do agree with you. I, I do enjoy reading. I just warn the listeners that uh, um, reading Newman has, is an acquired taste because... It's not like American English. His, his sentences sometimes are like a whole paragraph. <laughs> so you need to, but once you begin to enjoy and get his ideas and his system of thought, he's a very enjoyable reader. What do I enjoy? Well, one, he's a very good English writer. He studied, he studied in Oxford. He studied the classics. He studied Aristotle and he studied rhetoric. So he writes very well. And he's also a poet. So that's something I realized when I enjoy reading books. Many times it's because the writer is very good. And I think that's one of the good things about Newman. He's a good English writer. Then I like also his, um, obviously, the content of what he writes. Newman never wrote in abstract he always wrote as an answer to a question. So whenever you read Newman, he's trying to answer real questions that people had in those times. Most of his books were a response to a need. Um, number three, I don't know how to explain this, but when you read Newman, what he calls the invisible world, like God, the angels, the things of God, the Eucharist, becomes more real. He has that capacity of instilling into, into your mind and in your heart um, re real ideas. 
Um, well, I think those are three good enough questions. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Now, it's true that uh, I noticed in reading his um, sermons or something that's like quite austere about him that wakes you up spiritually and sometimes seeks to provoke, but when he's provoking, he's only provoking with the word of God um, that draws you into a depth of contact that, um, I don't know, surfaces something in you that, that asks for a commitment that not many preachers can, can summon. Um, so speaking of which, which, which books or sermons uh, would you recommend for, for somebody who's starting off with Newman? Like you said, he may be an acquired taste, may be difficult to get into. What's kind of the, the gentler on-ramp to his thought? Yes. He, Newman has different type of books. He has theological books, for example, The Development of Dogma, The Arians of the 4th Century, The Grammar of Ascent. Those are, um, I would say, not the good, a good place to begin. Um, I think that maybe three places to begin, three entry points to Newman are, one, the parochial plain sermons. It's a volume of uh, sermons he preached for to college students um, when he was in Oxford. And it's eight volumes, and each volume might have like 30, 25 sermons, and each sermon might be five pages. So in 25 minutes, you read it. Um, all these sermons are online. You go to Newman Reader, and you can find the parochial plain sermons. You can f- begin with volume one, and then continue. Um, one sermon that is, I mean, there are many, many sermons. Like, for example, The Invisible World is a classic sermon of, of Newman. If you want to read one and try it, uh, do a sample, <laughs> that's a good one, The Invisible World. Or The Immortality of the Soul, that's another good sermon by Newman. So that's <clears throat> I, that's the one I will recommend the most, parochial plain sermons. Um, I, actually, as you said, like I'm trying to read one a day, and it takes me 20 minutes. It's not so much time. Um, or you can read 10 minutes, you begin, and then you end the next day, the next sermon. This is something that many of our priests like started doing, and now like it's kind of picking up among us. Um, so parochial plain sermons. Another one is the Apologia Pro Vita Sua. That's an, another classic. Basically, it's a book he wrote at the end of his life as a Catholic, and it's in response to someone who wrote against him. So in response to those accusations, he writes the story of his conversion and the story of his religious ideas. Basically, it's an autobiography of Newman, where he detects the intellectual and spiritual influences of Newman. This this might be a good book for someone who maybe is not Catholic, and is thinking about joining the Catholic Church. Newman is a symbol of conversion from Anglicanism to the Catholic faith. So in that book, he he explains how he decided to become Catholic. So that's a, a second good source. A third one that is more like maybe devotional is uh, Meditations and Devotions, especially part three. In Meditations and Devotions, part three, he writes meditations that he wrote before the Blessed Sacrament. And he has very, very beautiful prayers in, 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 that, um, in, in that book. 
Meditations and Devotions, Part 3. Many of the prayers that people take from Newman, for example, help me to spread your radiance wherever you go, uh, the prayer Radiate Christ is from a, a prayer, a longer prayer in that book. Um, that one, for example, is Light of the Soul. All the mission in life also is a section of a prayer or a meditation in that book. That's a good resource maybe to pray before the Blessed Sacrament. And a, a, another one, like if you like English, he, Newman wrote novels also. He, he loved liberal arts. I don't know if you know, but he played the violin, for example, and he loved music. So he also wrote um, some novels. One of them is called Calixta. So it's about a Christian in the, in the first centuries. And in a sense, it's a way of telling his conversion story through another character. So that's another good book by, by Newman, Calixta. If you prefer to watch videos, Bishop Baron has like, uh, I think, a course on Newman, like three or four videos that explain different works by him. Mm -hmm. Always. That's two, two weeks in a row that we've recommended Bishop Robert Barron on the podcast. But um, closing with Newman, uh, if you could, you know, for the people who are listening on, on the feast day or maybe even beyond, uh, offer, offer a blessing, perhaps an honor of uh, John Henry Newman. Yes, thank you, Michael. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for this great figure of the church, for this providential um, character in the history of salvation. We thank you for his writings, for his life, for his holiness. Allow us to follow his example and following his pattern. May we take the things of God seriously and may we do our best to communicate them to others. And may Almighty, the blessing of Almighty God descend upon us all in this feast day of John Henry Newman, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.